I don't know if I'm blowing up your spot here. You used to hate her. I did. I was very anti-Tay for a very long time. So you're the first, like, full conversion. Yes. <laughs> We're going to convert you, Kate. <laughs> I'm, I've been working on it for a long time, Kelly. <laughs> I've been working on it. This is years in the making. It's doable. <laughs> And welcome to Minor Notes, the podcast where we share our thoughts about an album from top to bottom. No skips, and we give some minor notes. That is Kate Griffin. And that is Gabby Alvarez. Welcome. If you're new here, Gabby is a music business professional, and I am a songwriter, and this entire first season of Minor Notes is dedicated to the discography of Ms. Taylor Swift. Gabby is a fan of hers, and I am on a listening journey to figure out if I'm a fan too. And so to do that, each episode we're listening to her albums in chronological order and discussing each track. Yes, and today we're joined by a very special guest, Kelly Rank, who is a good friend of Kate's and is a Taylor super fan. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you I'm here. very excited. Taylor's my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> Okay, but she's one of mine too. <laughs> but what the main reason? I mean, you're like you're wonderful, and I you're the biggest Taylor Superfan I know. So that's why <laughs> I was like, I have the person for this. What an honor! But you, I don't know if I'm blowing up your spot here. You used to hate her. I did. I was very anti-Tay for a very long time. What made you switch from being a Taylor hater to a Taylor fan? I saw her live, so I always am a big proponent of seeing music live, regardless of the genre, who it is. And because I was such a Taylor hater and started to get into her during the Red era, um, when I had the opportunity to get tickets like dirt cheap, good seats for 1989, I figured why not? And I went and I was shocked. I became an instant Swifty. I left that stadium and that was it. (laughs) So you saw her 1989 tour? Yes. So good. It was so great. I was like second row. So (gasps) I really... Yeah, I know. (laughs) I was also at 1989 tour, but I was like all the way in the back. (laughs) (laughs) See, I don't know if maybe if I had seen her in the back, maybe I wouldn't be such a super fan now. Maybe I would be. Maybe. I always think about that. (laughs) Did you see her at Giant Stadium? Yes. Okay. So when she brought out the weekend to do, I can't feel. I was there, I think the night after. Oh, okay. I was at the weekend Uh, one. So, so who was yours? It was, I think, the U.S. women's soccer team. Oh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but they don't do it. I know. They didn't say anything. I mean, they do. <laughs> they do. Okay, but, right, you know. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was kind of hoping okay. for somebody more musical. But yeah. I really, that's when I got into Haim. Because they had opened for her. Oh. oh. That's right. Yeah. They did open for her. As well as Shawn Mendes. I... I didn't watch the openers because I went with my friend Angela and we uh, brought a handle of vodka and club sodas and we sat in my car. (laughs) At the time, there was an app on Twitter called Periscope. It was the first uh, live video streaming app that was integrated into social media. Yep. So I was like, let's go live on Periscope and just like drink in the car and see who shows up. And like all of my friends from work... Join the Periscope to watch, and it was friends of mine who were in Seattle, 
And so, uh, and they just kept texting me on the side, like, yo, your friend Angela's hilarious. I'm like, I know. She's really, <laughs> she's really cool. Angela is hilarious. She is <laughs> she's <awesome>. really funny. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, but that's crazy. Okay, so it took the live performance, the live show, for you to be like, I get I get it. Yeah. And I guess I had told Kate at one point that Red was the album that changed me. And I was like, wait, did I say that? And then I started thinking about it. And I it was. So it Oh, okay. Red was when I started paying attention to her, where I was like, hmm, maybe. Okay, maybe I'll give this a shot. And then 1999 came around, went to the tour and was like, oh yeah, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> Dr- drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. That's fully. awesome. Yep. That's awesome. Well, nice. good then, because I knew Red was important, and I was like, why am I making this connection? So good. Good. I'm glad. All right. Great. We are talking about Red today. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of perfect that you're on. So let's get into it. Are you guys ready? So ready. All right. So the album is Red. It was released on October 22nd, 2012. It is Taylor Swift's fourth studio album with Big Machine Records. The title refers to the tumultuous red, quote unquote, red emotions Swift experienced during the album's conceptions. Its songs discuss the complex and conflicting feelings resulting from fading romance, cough, cough, Jake Gyllenhaal, (laughs) hoping to experiment with new sounds that would expand her music beyond traditional country pop. She is working with new producers on this one, which Kate, I'm sure you'll get into. So I'm not going to name them now. So much producer information. (laughs) And the final album, it's definitely a country pop crossover record. The album spent seven weeks on top of the Billboard 200, making Taylor Swift the first female artist and the second act since the Beatles to have three consecutive albums that spent at least six weeks at number one. Red topped the charts in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and the UK. It was certified seven times platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America and has received multi-platinum certifications in a bunch of other countries. Uh, It was nominated for Album of the Year at the 2013 Country Music Association Awards, uh, Album of the Year, and Best Country Album at the 2014 Grammy Awards. And the Red Tour, which Taylor went on from 2013 to 2014, is the most successful country tour of all time. It grossed over $150 million. Whoa. I think Red is when Taylor became a superstar. Yes, I would agree. The pop crossover does that to you if it's done right and this was done right. I remember the day this album came out. Let's hear it. What happened that day? I was a Taylor fan before. (laughs) (laughs) And I was so excited for this album to come out. I was at work that day and my terrible boss was not there. But the VP of publicity who I worked under and who has been one of my mentors forever, her name is Regina Joskow, she knew I was so excited. And I believe that the physical copies of Red were only available at Papa John's for like the first week. (laughs) It was a collaboration that they did where for $22, you could get a pizza and Taylor Swift's album. Whoa. And you could only get it at Papa John's. And I was at work and my office at the time was in Newark, New Jersey. And the closest Papa John's was like a mile away. And I (laughs) turned to Regina and I was like, I got to go to Papa John's. (laughs) She was like, go. I'm not going to say anything. (laughs) Nobody ever said. All right. (laughs) Yeah. So I ordered myself a pizza. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. And I walked over. It was a, not the best area of Newark, but I was like, I'm doing it for Taylor. And undoubtedly, <laughs> I was the only white bitch that walked in there and was like, can I buy the Taylor Swift album? They were like, we know why you're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> 100%. 100%. And I got my album and my pizza and I walked back and I listened to it all day. Uh, it's great. That's awesome. That's a great story. Thank you. Thank you very much. I never knew about that Papa John's <laughs> yeah, partnership. Me neither. Listen, wow. I know a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's unimportant, but I know it. I mean, it is that's important. important to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad partnership, though. That's pretty genius. It works. On the marketing side. The pizza boxes were like limited edition. They had her face on them. So you can find them on eBay now for many, many dollars. Oh, my gosh. That's should have kept mine. Yeah. But- <laughs> But yeah, that's red. So Kate, what do we got? What are we doing? What are we looking out for? Okay. So part of the reason I was never sure if I was a Taylor fan is because the few songs I heard, these words would come up and I just felt like it was like too many times, too many times. So when we embarked on this journey, I decided I'm keeping a log. Like I just need to know, like how many times is she actually saying these words or is it me? Like, am I hearing it? Whatever. So we have an original list of words, but when I started listening to this album, I was hearing new words and I was hearing new words over and over. So I have expanded what I am calling the lyric trope list. And so the list of words now is jeans, dress, radio, daddy and or father, truck, car and or passenger seat, knee, rain, town, dance or dancing, dream or dreaming or daydream, all the same thing, phone, stars, 2 a.m., or early morning hours. But the new ones I've added are story, chapter, page, the idea of your room or my room, like bedroom specifically, the idea of royalty of any kind, and then finally, door and or doorstep. So as we go through the songs, I'm going to mention when I hear these things. And uh, at the very end of the episode, I'm going to tally up where we're at because these numbers are getting into the double digits. We're getting up there. Interesting. (laughs) That Taylor. That Taylor. All right, let's do it. Number one, State of Grace. So State of Grace was written by Swift and it's produced by Swift and Chapman. One note about Chapman I learned while researching this album, and it could be true for the others. I'm not totally positive, but he is credited with playing bass guitar, drums, acoustic guitar, electric guitar, keyboards, mandolin, percussion, piano, soloist, I guess maybe guitar solo, synthesizer, and background vocals. I had no idea this man was so deeply involved in this way. Yeah, he is. I have heard that he's very uh, involved on the records that he works on and picks up instruments and plays on them. So like that doesn't every single sound one. I was shocked. I was shocked. He does a lot. I think I've read somewhere he considers himself a session musicianist. Like, so he could just come in and play anything, anytime. Sounds like it. He played it all on this. A lot of Nashville producers have that skill. That's not uncommon. Okay. Well, news to me. I I was like, oh, wow, dude. Very impressive, Nathan. So similar to the past albums, Taylor has many secret messages in these liner notes. So I'm going to share them with you guys. Cool. The secret message for State of Grace that was hidden in the liner notes is, I love you doesn't count after goodbye. This song is widely believed to be about Jake Gyllenhaal, and I think it is because she sings on All Too Well. 
about twin fire signs and she mentions it in this song. So I think that's a pretty direct oh. call. The song itself, it is not a bad opener, but I don't think it's strong because the entire song, the momentum is flat. It doesn't go anywhere. Mm. So I don't, it feels like it starts at what's already supposed to be the peak of the song, mm. which I feel like is kind of boring, but it's not a bad song. Not her best song. Okay. Not a bad song. I would agree. Yeah. I had a little bit similar. Uh, my first note was, this feels like an indie rock song with an exclamation point. So I was very much into the vibe coming from where we came. I do think the verse is a great melody. The one line that I pulled, it, it was the one you mentioned, up in your room, our slates are clean, just twin fire signs, four blue eyes. I thought that was really cool because I feel like in this album, she's getting a little bit more metaphorical in the lyrics, which I very much appreciate. I don't like how she's been so literal in the past. This still has a bit of romanticism that we've heard before, but I feel like there's a little bit of edge. It's not so much fairy tale, mm. but I do have that the drum pattern never changes. It could easily feel dull. I, I personally feel like there's enough there to keep the song moving along, but I kind of agree as an opener, it might not be like the biggest bang yeah and then as far as lyric tropes none of the old ones but this is when i started to notice how often she talks about the bedrooms so your room came up in this one i noticed this is the first album where she alludes to sex yes agreed oh this mm -hmm. is the first one and a big problem that i have with taylor even now is when she sings about sex it's very secret and i that to me is little girlish Mm. I don't love that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Kelly, what did you think about this one? I agree that I wasn't keen on it as the, the opener. I also felt like it was almost a little deceptive because it was like, hey, we're opening with rock. And then not much after that felt like it fell in line with this one. Okay. Mm. It made me want more rock from Taylor. Yeah. Like this song makes me say, all right, we need a rock album from her. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that's why my first note, I was so excited. I was like, oh, cool. We're going into the rock world. A lot of the criticism that this album received was that it's all over the place genre wise. Mm -hmm. And that's partly why she, she worked with so many different producers on it. So that's not really a surprise, but she wanted like rock songs and pop songs and country songs. And so it is a little all over the map. I felt it. Yeah. Definitely. All right, moving on. Track number two, Red, the title track. The title track, yes. So Red was written by Swift, produced by Swift, Chapman, and Dan Huff. So Dan Huff is an American producer and songwriter. He has worked with so many people. I tried to pick like the most un unsimilar people, dissimilar. Patti LaBelle, Barry Manilow, Donna Summer, Barbara Streisand, Olivia Newton-John, Madonna, Josh Groban, Kelly Clarkson, Faith Hill, Carrie Underwood, Leanne Rimes, oh Martina McBride, Shania Twain, etc. And Red was the fifth single released on June 24th, 2013. To touch on your earlier point. Yeah. <laughs> the girl has begun using metaphors, which is great. However, this song is only metaphor. <laughs> metaphor after metaphor. <laughs> oh my god. Metaphor after metaphor after metaphor after metaphor, which props to her because I don't think it's easy to write something like that, but it's a lot. Listen, our girl likes to beat a dead horse. <laughs> that she does. If I've learned anything, yeah. <laughs> so she went all in, which is great. Yeah. Great Tay-Tay. I think it's a little too much, but the song is super catchy anyway. So it's it's fine. I do love that she equated colors to feelings. I like the way that she used that. The hidden message. Oh, yes. 
is SAG, S-A-G, which could allude to two things, mm-hmm. Swift and Gyllenhaal, obviously. Oh. Okay. Like like you carve it in a tree. A tree. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you carve it in a tree or Sagittarius twin flames. They were both Sagittariuses and she sings about that a lot. So that kind of seems a little bit more like that might be what she meant. I And I think it is widely known. This album is heavy about Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. Is the whole thing about him? No. No. Oh, okay. There's tea. No. Oh, oh good. All right. <laughs> I think in previous albums, we'd been dealing with a Taylor who had never really experienced actual heartbreak. Like, she had had little girl love, mm-hmm. and this is the first time it actually happened to her. And you act, you can finally feel the... Like, she learns how to use her emotions properly because she's actually feeling feelings, mm. which is pretty cool. First note I had was banjo. I thought of you. Love the banjo. I wrote that... It is more pop-leaning, but I feel like this easily could have fit on Speak Now. Mm. It kind of didn't feel like we were moving away from that sound. The lyrics are too shticky. Like, it's too clever. I love the concept of Loving Him is Red, but the rest of it is is just, it made me feel like preschool. Like, we're learning our colors, and it was just, like, too many things. I wrote that it's fun, but not particularly memorable in terms of the melodies. But I do think the opening line is fantastic. Loving him is driving a new Maserati down a dead-end street, faster than the wind, passionate as sin, ending suddenly. But then it threw me for a loop because I didn't know if I should count that as a car trope or not. I think I didn't count it. No, I don't think so. Because it's not her being in the car with the guy. Right. She's saying he is. Mm -hmm. Or love is a Maserati. Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, a lot of similar feelings. Kelly, how about you? Agree with everything you guys said. Um, One thing I love about Red, well, I guess now, but didn't then, was the recall to it when she wrote Daylight for Lover. Oh. So there's a line that says, I used to think love would be burning red, but it's golden. So love that throwback. It's about Harry Styles. Yeah. Oh my God. So excited for the future. (laughs) Okay. So she references this. That's cool. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. I like that this is kind of like her first idea of love. Yes. Mm. And the progression from it afterwards, I think is evident. Like you said, this is a yeah. little bit like ABCs of love. Yeah, a little. A little but it's bit. also like that that early love that you have where you fight all the time mm-hmm. and you're, you guys make each other mad. And then over time you realize that wasn't it. Yeah. Why, yeah. Did, why did I like that? Right, right. But I do love the one line regretting him with like wishing he never found out that love could be that strong. Yeah, that's a good line. I will say overall, too, even though, like, the the way she's putting her words together feels immature, as a whole, to your point, Gabby, she's treating love differently in this album. Like, I can, I can feel that. So I do agree yeah. with you. And that line, Kelly, that you just said, like, that's like, oh, okay. Like, she has felt things for real. Now. Right. Yeah. I yeah. feel like she's finally uh, become an adult in that regard. Like, before, it was very little girlish. Almost like, I thought I knew what love was, and no, now I now I get it. Yes, totally. All right, number three, Treacherous. Treacherous was written by Swift and Dan Wilson. Dan Wilson is from the band Semisonic. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's so nice. I follow him on Instagram. He's like, he gives all these songwriting tips. He's so much fun. I love him so much. Cool. <laughs> he has worked with Tom Morello, Leon Bridges, Celine Dion, The Chicks, John Legend. Oh I, so another, like, wide variety producer. Yeah. He he produced this track. Very cool. I guess I'll let me start with the secret message. The secret message for Treacherous is won't stop till it's over. 
which is a lyric from the Temper Trap song, Sweet Disposition. Okay. If you don't know it, you should hear it because it is an awesome song. Uh, Sweet Disposition is Harry Styles' favorite song. He tattooed lyrics of it on him. Won't Stop to Surrender is the tattoo that he has. So I think this is about Harry. It's got to be. This song is the first one where she alludes to sex. She says, I'll do anything you say if you say it with your hands. Oh. I mean, obviously, she's banging Harry. Like, duh. (laughs) Yeah. Duh. If this song is about Harry Styles and it's not about her having sex with Harry Styles, that's ridiculous. I don't want to listen to it. Missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. If Harry Styles was having sex with me, I would sing the entire time. (laughs) Like, what? And then uh, there's another bar. And all we are is skin and bone, trained to get along. Forever going with the flow, but your friction. What friction, Taylor? Hmm. This has a whole new meaning now. Uh Uh-huh. I like this song, but I don't think it's very memorable. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so many tracks on this album. This one did not need to be here. But I don't hate it. I think the lyrics are very beautiful. It's just kind of like... Meh. Yeah, I had that the verses have a fearless speak now vibe, and I'm personally like ready to move on from that sound. I wrote, I don't like the chorus at all, and I expected more from Dan Wilson, but I have to be honest with you, I don't remember what the chorus is. <laughs> so I guess in the moment, like I really didn't like it, but I couldn't tell you what it is. But conversely, I put that the bridge or the third verse, I was trying to like, I can't figure out which it was, but I said that the bridge or the third verse is fantastic. It's easily the best part of the song. Like, she changes the melody, and they kind of go down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That part, I was like, like, make this your song. Like, get rid of the other parts. Like, this is the song. But yeah, I kind of felt the same. Not super memorable. And as far as tropes, dream. And then again, there's vague references to a car, but not explicit, so I didn't really count it. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Kelly? So, I kind of like this one, but kind of because of all the reasons you guys said you didn't like it. Like, I almost feel like I'm forcing myself to like this one. You're allowed to like it. You're allowed to. <laughs> no, I, no judgment. But like I said, I told Kate earlier, as I was going through these, I was like, I like this one. And then I would get to it and be like, do I like it? Or vice versa. Right. What I do like about this one, though, is I feel like it starts a little sultry, like a little like mm-hmm. sexy. Then it gets a little bit more gentle and optimistic. And then comes that bridge that you were talking about, Kate. And that's yeah the part I like where it's almost like she's a little angsty and is like all right yeah 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 so I feel like that is what adds to me liking it Mm. but it was not one of those it was a skip for me originally Ooh, okay I think that's fair and I think that could be because it takes so long to get to to get there to get to it yeah that was earlier in the song I think it might have been like a really good one I agree All right, track four, I Knew You Were Trouble. Okay, so this is where we start getting all crazy. So this was written by Swift, Max Martin, and Shellback. Amazing. So Max Martin is a Swedish record producer, and he is behind some big hits. So Britney's Hit Me Baby One More Time, Backstreet Boys, I Want It That Way, NSYNC, It's Gonna Be Me. And Shellback, also a Swedish producer, has worked with Pink, Avril Lavigne, Ariana Grande, Adele, Britney, Usher, Etc. And both Martin and Shellback produced this song, and it was the third single on November 27th, 2012. And just if you haven't taken a deep dive into Max Martin and Shellback, you must. 
They're incredible. Are they the guys from the pop documentary? Yes. Yes. The Swedish guys. Yes. Sweden is was like a, always a step ahead when it came to electronic music and pop music. And that like Max Martin, Shellback, and there's a whole other group of them that they just make hits. From like the mid 90s to now, they have not stopped. They're absolutely impressive. This song is a banger. I feel like that goes without saying. <laughs> this was the first time that I had friends who were not Taylor fans being like, all right, that's a good song. Because <laughs> uh, it okay. was, and it was very like relevant to the genres that were popular. Dubstep was popular at the time. And this song is like a pop dubstep song. Time Magazine congratulated Taylor on being the quote-unquote first major artist to fuse country and dubstep. But I disagree. There's no country There's in this song. There's no country in this, this song. This is a pop song. Not a country hybrid at all. Time no. Magazine, you're done. <laughs> yeah, you can't lose with a four to the four formula. And I think that's what I love about Max Martin and Shellback is they know how to make this. Yeah. And they know how to make you like it. Right. And they're very about like simplicity. The lyrics are not overwhelming. Right. They know how to par that back to make the hook the most important part of the song. Mm -hmm. It's the perfect length. It's just spectacular and a beautiful little, little box bow. And this is her first time dipping her. It's not even a toe. Her whole leg is in pop music in this song. Letting us know that 1989 is coming, which I'm psyched about. <laughs> the hidden message for this track is when you saw me dancing. It is widely speculated to also be about Harry Styles, who Taylor is said to have first met backstage at the 2012 Kids Choice Awards. And there's a video of her and Selena Gomez dancing to One Direction's performance of What Makes You Beautiful. So people just think it's that. Don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. She actually confirmed to USA Today in an interview that Treacherous and I Knew You Were Trouble are about the, the same, same person. person. Yeah. So there so we it's go. probably about yeah. style. Wow. All right. Well, I mean, the title totally fits with Harry. I Knew You Were Trouble. Like he's oh, a, yeah. he's a, of a little a little minx that guy you know we love just him. love him and he's so mischievous just love it I wrote that the verses are kind of fun I recognize why it's a radio hit I'm not a big pop fan so it's not for me but what I will say is you know I knew you were trouble twenty two and we're never getting back together are obviously the top pop songs of this album I like this one the most out of the three agreed and mm -hmm, before yeah. I listen to it again. Like, I had made notes, obviously, a long time ago, and then we revisited. And I went to my old notes, and I wrote that I feel like this song is more Katy Perry and Britney Spears than singer-songwriter. And now that I know who produced it, I was like, oh, well, it was more Britney Spears and it Katy Perry. It was intentional. Perry. Yeah, it was intentional. So, I mean... You know, not my favorite, but I do think this kind of adds to that idea of the album being a little bit schizophrenic. Yeah. I feel like we suddenly jumped into a pool and I was like, oh shit. Like, all right, this is not where I thought we were going. And there's no tropes. Max and Shellback would not allow tropes. Oh, they were like, get this list out of here. Because they know what the <laughs> fuck they're doing. Yeah. Sure. What do you think, Cal? This is the one that made me start paying attention to Taylor. So because it was the first full-on pop, I was hearing it, obviously, on the radio. And I was like, huh, that doesn't sound like the Taylor that I thought 
she was. Yeah. Right. So this is when I kind of started to perk up my ears with her. Digging into, like you did, Kate, with the producers, I thought the shellback thing was super interesting. Mm. How his roots are in metal and hardcore. Yeah, he's so cool. <laughs> yeah, so cool. Which made me, again, think, okay, she has the ability to branch out and maybe work on some different genres that she hasn't touched yet. What? Like, you think potentially now? Yeah. Why not? I think she has the potential to go way in the opposite direction of where she went from like folklore and evermore now oh my god stop i don't think people like if she made like a like a metal album like no i don't know if she'd make a metal album i don't think it'd be metal but like a little bit harder but i think like if you're a good songwriter that song can translate into any genre that's true and if you and if you know the right people where obviously she and her people were smart enough to reach the right dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Like a good a well-written song is just bones. Yeah. You can, that's true, you know. And that is always her goal mm-hmm. is to create a good song and then she can strip it down, yeah. she could add more elements to it. Yeah. We'll have to see. But yes, this was my first foray. This was my okay. Maybe <laughs> all this. All right, that's a good Join this Swifty train. <laughs> She's on to something. Yeah. Oh, also the goat videos. Do you guys remember the goat videos from this song? Oh, oh with yes. the screaming goat, right? Yeah, yes. I do remember this. <laughs> wow, I forgot all about that. Oh my gosh. Which does nothing but promote the song. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean. That was also part of the Papa John steal. The oh goat yeah, videos were a part of it. <laughs> That makes sense. <laughs> um, all right, track five, All Too Well. All Too Well, we're actually kind of going back to album one because it's written by Swift and Liz Rose. Remember Liz? And it's produced by Swift and Chapman. So I was like, oh, how sweet. It's the originals from album one. Yes. So uh, as we now know, Taylor originally wrote this as about a 15-minute song. So Liz helped her cut it down to this version. So that's why she has a writing credit on this, but she really, she didn't write it, but she structured it, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, that's significant. It's helped. Significant, 100%. Mm -hmm. To me still, to this day, this is her magnum opus, this song. It is the best song she's ever written. It's one of the best songs I've ever heard. It's emotional. It's heartbreaking. The storytelling element that I love about the way that she writes is present. She takes you to a place. She takes you to a person, Mm. which I think is what makes this song spectacular is she puts you in a relationship with that person. I I love that there's a male backing vocal that comes in on the second half of the choruses that's singing Mm. this tragedy with her. Like he is the guy. I think that was well intended and well executed. I, this song has made me cry on more than one occasion. Wow. Uh, and I still, I can still listen to it. And depending on the day, I will cry. And I don't do that a lot to many songs, but this song, it's just, it's absolutely powerful. I wrote, she's singing it like she's bleeding. I hope that makes sense. It does. It totally does. Yeah. I mean, so many good lyrics, but my favorite is maybe we got lost in translation. Maybe I asked for too much. Maybe this thing was a masterpiece until you tore it all up. Running scared. I was there. I remember it all too well. And you call me up again just to break me like a promise. So casually cruel in the name of being honest. The message is maple lattes. <laughs> I know this is, we all know this is about Jake Gyllenhaal. Maybe right. he loved maple lattes. I don't freaking know. I just know that I. He would. He would. Yeah. <laughs> I hate him with every fiber of my being. <laughs> I 
Oh my gosh. Well, I have a question for you then, Gabby. You felt this way about the song before the 10 minute. Absolutely. Like you've always loved it. Yeah. I think I cried the first time I heard it. Wow. Yeah. All right. I I don't think that day at work, but like, because I was working while I'm listening to it. And you had Papa John's. Who can cry when you're eating Papa John's? Papa John's. It was a whole thing. (laughs) But I think when I listened to it by myself and I really like, and I always, I mean, back then I was still buying CDs and I was always like reading lyrics along as I listened to an album. Mm -hmm. I have no doubt that I cried when I heard this song. Wow. Okay. Because as a newbie, you know, and we said in the the intro episode, when the 10-minute version came out, that's when I started getting curious. So it's hard for me to pull the two apart. I understand. I have not listened to the 10-minute version other than the once or twice months ago. I've purposely not done it. So my first impressions of this are that I really love the slow build. I think her voice is very comfortable here, but it sounds great. Mm. It doesn't sound lazy or like she was afraid. It just sounds like it was supposed to be that way. I really like how the music gets more and more intense, but her voice doesn't change. Like, she doesn't get shouty. She doesn't go with it. And it's almost kind of, like, menacing in a really good way. Like, like she's either so mad or so sad that she's not, like, she's over it. Like, she's not even going to get loud anymore. So I thought that was cool. It's very tough to keep a song like this interesting because it's like four chords, the whole thing. And I think she does a very good job of that, her and the band. Again, I mentioned great storytelling overall. It's specific, but in a mysterious way. Like, it's not obvious. Mm. And as far as the lyrics go, you know, I can say this is my favorite song. But to your point, Gabby, there are certain songs she writes where I can tell that it was cathartic. And this is one of them. Yes. Dear John was one, Back to December. Mm -hmm. All my favorite songs of hers feel like it had to come out. Like she was going through a thing. Yes. And as a songwriter, I have a couple songs that my band plays that like, I know that's the song. It just, I, this one had to be written. Mm-hmm. And so the lyric that stood out to me was, time won't fly. It's like I'm paralyzed by it. I'd like to be my old self again, but I'm still trying to find it. And I was like, ooh. I know. So deep. So deep. I think when Taylor's hurt, when she's very emotional, is when she comes up with the best lyrics. She's and this the album, best. Totally. This album is just an album of hurt, and there's just really good lines on the entire thing. And I think that's why yeah. I maybe don't love her pop stuff, because I don't feel like it's deep. And I'm like, ew, go back, be sad. Like, make me sad songs. <laughs> you know? Uh, and then for tropes, this had a lot. It was door, car, town, and dance. So she's kind of revisiting some of the stuff, but... It didn't bother me. It felt appropriate. I think we have to, mm. we allow it because yes. I, I yeah. feel like, well, like I just want to give her a tissue and a She hug. was in her feels. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so Kelly, what do you think? Same for you. Like, is this that powerful for you? Yeah. I mean, this is the Taylor song. Wow. This is, mm-hmm. I feel like once you hear this one, you, I don't know how you don't love her after this. Oh, I agree. I find it really hard for anybody to listen to this song and to think that she's not good. Yeah. If you listen to this song and you still think Taylor Swift is not good at what she does, you have no business talking about music at all. <laughs> oh my God, Gary's going to fight you. I will 100%. <laughs> yeah, I will 100%. <laughs> like, I just don't trust any any of your judgment anymore yeah. if you Thanks. can't listen yeah. to it and objectively yeah. think it is a good song. I mean, it's just so raw. You can tell it was kind of born out of this place of just catharsis and venting and I'm just going to kind of like stream of consciousness scream about everything that I'm feeling right now. Yes. And I love just how honest it feels like you said gabby you you kind of are in this relationship with her or him um and it's just it is what it is like it's her side of the story 
There's no contesting it. It's not like she's trying to say, like, do you believe me? Do you believe him? Mm. It's just this moment in time that feels just so raw and honest. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I would be very curious to hear Jake Gyllenhaal's response track. Ooh. I bet it's not good. No. It it's sucks. like maple lattes. That's what it is. <laughs> Bring me a maple latte. <laughs> I'm keeping your scarf. Yeah, your scarf. Oh, wait. I had a note about that. So I've, I've heard that the scarf is a metaphor for her womanhood. Is this the truth? Is this what we know? I, um, I believe it. I've okay. heard that as well, but I I believe it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. And where was Jake Gyllenhaal in... So, obviously, he's after John Mayer. Mm. Is he the next one? Like I think John so. John Mayer, then Jake Gyllenhaal? Okay. I think so. Just trying to get my get my Taylor mm-hmm. things straight. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for Swifties, people who are really fans of Taylor, they know how much this song means to her, too. Because mm. it was a song that she couldn't even sing live for a really long time. Oh, wow. Because she would cry every time. Mm-hmm. And then it became such an anthem for her fans who would scream it, tattoo the lyrics on their skin. Oh, wow. And then she was like, oh, this is actually something between us, too, now. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's so uh, nice. She was surprised when the album came out and everyone flipped over all too well because it was it was her favorite song on this album, mm-hmm. but did she did not feel it was appropriate for a single, and especially because she wanted to transition into pop. Right. She chose the, the poppier stuff. Sure. And that's a big reason why she did the 10-minute version and did the movie and did all that stuff mm-hmm. is because she knows that everyone loved it. Wow, that's so interesting because, I mean, she obviously made the right move for her career with releasing the Pops as the singles, but I just wonder if her writing and her career would have taken a different path because it seems like people would have responded really well. I think they would have responded really well to this, too. Yeah, yeah. I think she might have even gotten more clout from, like, serious critics. Yeah, I think so. And I think she sacrificed that because Mm. she wanted to go the other way. Right. Which is totally fine. Which and is not she, a wrong move. I mean, look at her. <laughs> not a wrong move at all. Wow. No. And she's kind of doing that part now. Yeah, she is. Yeah. All right. Track number six. 22. Okay. 22. And we're back with the, the Swedish pop makers. So it's Swift, Martin, and Shellback wrote it. And then Martin and Shellback produced. It was the fourth single, March 12th, 2013. It's weird that the best song on the album would be followed by this garbage, cringy, bubblegum <laughs> pop bleh, fest. That is what it is. Uh, it's catchy. I will give it that it is catchy. Mm-hmm. But I feel like at this point, she's outgrown this. It feels so young. And I know she is, in fact, 22. So, sure. But it just... <laughs> it's cute. And on an album that has a song like All Too Well on it, this has no business being here. Right. Though I do... She still has a way with words. Uh, I remember being 22. We're happy, free, confused, and lonely in the best way. It's miserable and magical. Correct. Oh, yeah. Also, and again on the thing I mentioned earlier, that she is an adult but doesn't sing about adult things and alludes to them. Yes. We skip the whole scene and end up dreaming instead of sleeping. No, babe. You and your girlfriends were drinking that night. Oh. Why are we calling it dreaming? <laughs> yeah. Well, because it was going to be a radio hit, and you're not going to say that on the radio. And if you want children to buy the album, you're not going to say that. So. You could. You, yeah, it's because you want children. You're appealing to children. You don't say it. But to me, that's just like every time I hear that line, I'm like, drinking. 
You mean drinking. The message on this is Ashley, Diana, Claire, and Selena, who are her friends. So oh it's about her friends. The girl squad. It's cute. My first note is this is the perfect pop concoction. Mm-hmm. Like, every part about it. It's very cute. Feels immature for this album time in her life. A weird note. It makes me think of the song Say La Vie from Bewitched. <laughs> do you remember them? Say There's you a part. Will, say you won't. Da, 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 say you'll do. Da, 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 da. Yeah. There's like some music in the background and I was like, what? And then I was playing them next to each other and I was like, it's not exact, but it's there. Like, it's very cool. And then I should have looked into Bewitched and who produced them because they're not American. They're from... They're Irish. Oh, that's right. They're Irish. So maybe they worked with Shellback and Martin. Who knows? Maybe. It's possible. It's possible. I wrote a cringy. The talking parts really bother me. We've talked about this. Like, remember next chapter? It's kind of like that. Like, when she says things in between verses, it weirds me out. So I didn't like that. I don't like it. Yeah. I put the exact same lyric. I said, she. this is a very accurate portrayal of a woman in her early 20s. <laughs> so even though I don't love the popness of it, it's still good writing. I know. It is. Which bothers That's the me. Thing. I know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> ew, be bad at something. <laughs> Like, even when the song is bad, you're like, fuck, but the writing's not bad. Still pretty good. Yeah. I was like, she she got, she still got it. She still got it. And the tropes were dreaming and dancing, but now I know that dreaming is drinking. drinking. So, yeah. She means drinking. Yikes. I won't hear the opposite. But she's legal, because she's 22. 22. Uh, what do you think, Kelly? How do you feel about 22? All the same feeling. So I have, <laughs> it's fun, it's cringy. I don't care how lame it is, though. If- <laughs> Yes. So that's how I feel about most pop music. Yeah. This is terrible. Yep. <laughs> exactly. It's so anthemic. Like it's I can it's a party it song. Yeah. It's a it's totally. a girls' night song. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. I Not at my girls' nights. We're drinking fine wine and playing board games. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> I want that song. Me too. <laughs> I want that song. Yes. I want the playing Scrabble on a Friday night. PJs. In sweatpants. Yeah. 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 All my girlfriends came over wearing sweats. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's the song. Maybe that she's I'm working on it days. right now. <laughs> I hope so. All right. Number seven. I almost do. I almost do. We're going back to basics. So it's written by Swift, produced by Swift and Chapman. I love this song. I I think it's the simplicity of it, of the structure, and just, it's very easy to relate to almost going back to the thing that's really bad for you. Mm -hmm. Almost, like, and you feel this feeling often when you're dating, at least, like, almost want to text the guy who maybe wasn't great, but I can't get him out of my head. Almost, but you don't. Yeah. And I like that concept of I almost do and I almost don't, I think is cool. Mm. Another, a bunch of really great lines, but I specifically called out, I bet it never, ever occurred to you that I can't even say hello to you and risk another goodbye, which is like all of my ex-boyfriends who keep trying to talk to me. Like, no. Right, right. right. It's a no. <laughs> no. And the, the secret message on this was wrote this instead of calling, which I almost, she almost did. But she didn't. She stopped herself. But mm-hmm. do we know? I'm going to guess Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake, yeah. I'm going to guess it's got to be Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. I had very similar notes. It's a simple ballad, and those always seem to be my favorite. And I go back to Dear John, back to December. Again, it feels cathartic in some way. So mm-hmm. I'm into mm-hmm. it. I love the concept. It's completely relatable. What's funny is I actually wrote down that same line, but for a negative reason. Really? I think it's very weird that she would say it never, ever... 
in this song when we are never ever getting back together is the next song and she says it in almost the exact same way like the note is almost the same Mm -hmm. do you think that that is intentional I think it is. That that, that was my note. It's got to it be intentional? intentional. Especially if it's like boom, boom in the listing. So my first go around, I was like, ew, boring. But then I listened again. I was like, wait a minute. She's sending me messages. Like, maybe she's saying she something. She does this shit. She's so good. Haven't you caught on to this yet, Kate? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, learning. I'm a slow learner. I But I did say... It's very good. I don't think it's great. There are slight hints of country. So I feel like this is like a little bit mixy. And then the only tropes was dreams. But I do like the song. I do very much like it. I just don't think it's like the best of her abilities. Not not quite. I agree. What do you think, Cal? Yeah. I totally agree. I feel like this was almost a trio of songs. So I almost do We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together and The Last Time. So I almost wanted to see them in that order. Oh. Where Interesting. She's almost like having this conversation in her head like, oh my gosh, should I call him? And then she's like, oh no, we're never getting back together. And then she gets to that point where she's like, you know what? No, no, this is it. I'm not going back at all. Done. This is the last time I'm thinking about it. Interesting. You you should create a Spotify playlist. Ooh. Like that. Yeah, and just reorder it. Like she's falling in love, and then they're having the fights at 2.30 a.m. because she does that. And then they're back (laughs) in love again. And then all too well. Oh, my God. Do it, Kelly. Like, it pisses me off (laughs) that Stay, Stay, Stay is, like, in the middle of all of them. I'm like, ugh. I hate it. We're going to get to Let's not talk about it yet. (laughs) I'm so mad. Okay. But my favorite line is a little more simplistic. It was... We made quite a mess, babe. It was almost like a pause in the song of like, hold on, we fucked this up. No. Yeah. All right. Number eight. We are never, ever getting back together. Ever. (laughs) Ever. Like ever. (laughs) Uh, This is Swift, Martin, and Shellback. But all three of them produced it this time, which is interesting. Mm. And this was the first single... August 13th, 2012. It does not surprise me to hear all three of them produced it because, uh, well, firstly, I love the song. It's another pop banger. Max and Shellback, obviously. But this one feels more country pop to me because of the kick drum and the guitar. Okay. And uh, I I don't think that Max and Shellback would know how to bring that element in because that's not what they do. Yeah, fair. So if that came from somewhere, I think it may have come from Taylor. I hate the talking part in the... Br- I hate when she talks. Just stop just hate talking. It. Stop oh. talking. <laughs> I do love the, like, ever. That's fine. But the the whole thing in the middle is real weird. I'm really going to miss you picking fights and me falling for it, screaming that I'm right, and you would hide away and find your peace of mind with some indie record that's much cooler than mine. I just think that's such a good line. Me too. That's my favorite. She's, too. like, mocking him. Like, you, you weird hipster <laughs> loser. Like, I just... I love that. It received a Grammy nomination for Record of the Year, and this was her first number one on Billboard's Hot 100 Wow, chart. really? Her first? Huh. Yes, her first number one, which perhaps, you know, was, I think that, or rather, I know that her label did not want her to make pop music. Okay. And as she made it, and as it was getting number one, like her first number one, they they had to start changing their tune. Right. I think that she fought heavy to have Max Martin and Shellback work on three songs with her. That was not a thing they were into. That was the right move, though. A hundred percent. The message is, when I stopped caring what you thought, which I think is pretty obvious given the lyrical context of the song. A quote from Taylor about the song 
It's a definitive portrait of how I felt when I finally stopped caring what my ex thought of me. He made me feel like I wasn't as good or as relevant as these hipster bands that he listened to. So I made a song that I knew would absolutely drive him crazy when he heard it on the radio. Not only would it hopefully be played a lot so that he'd have to hear it, but it's the opposite of the kind of music that he was trying to make me feel inferior That's to. That's such a baller move. I love it. <laughs> love it. I just, she's just the best. That's like a long con. Wow. A long con. Oh, yeah. She went for the long con, and I I'm respect it. so much mm-hmm. more impressed hearing that one little blip. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had that, you know, again, this is the pinnacle of pop. Like, I, I'm conflicted with the song. I wrote, it's not a good example of songwriting, or is it? Like, I can't, I can't tell if it's great or if it's not good. I don't think it's a good example of songwriting, as much as it's an excellent example, I, I, I'm just gonna. I feel like I now go to the church of Max Martin and Shellback. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a good example of, of a, a perfect, perfect pop, pop song. song, and perfect pop songs are not about you know prolific songwriting. That's true. So for what it is, it's it's good. I said it's an earworm, but in a negative way for me. I don't like the cringy talking. It kind of has like a like a na 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 vibe. But now hearing what she wanted <laughs> it to do, now you now get why it yeah. works. That's intentional. Totally intentional. And then I wrote this, and I think it's more of a me thing. I wrote, these overt pop songs are pulling me out of the appreciation for her as a songwriter. You know, I it's hard for me to understand how, like, Adele, I would consider her a pop star. I mean, not, not the same type of pop music, but she's on the top radio, she's on top 40, but she's so regal, and her songs are so deep, and I just feel like sometimes Taylor will put out a song, and I'm like, you're undoing things. Like, like don't do that. But she's a lot smarter than me. She's a lot richer than me. So she clearly has a plan. <laughs> and maybe what I think, obviously, what I think doesn't matter. So so that's my internal struggle. But Kelly, what do you think? <laughs> so I agree with that. So one of my notes on here was that it's almost like she releases this included her shittiest songs as singles and leaves the good stuff for like the real ones right oh so she's like placating the pop world interesting like you you think i'm like this pop princess and so sure here you go and you're gonna like it because it's catchy but i can write way better shit than this and if you care enough it's all there for you wow so you think it's a move like she's doing it on purpose i kind of do because Even when I started liking Taylor and I started listening to these pop tracks of hers that were singles, they weren't my favorites on the album. Mm. And as I listened to the album, I was like, huh, I'm glad I listened to the album. But like the stuff that drew me in is now kind of my least favorite stuff. I agree. I I think the pop, her, the pop songs on this album are not the best songs on this album. No, not at all. They're good pop songs. Right. Yeah. The best thing about her is the lyrics and the story and making that relatable. And when you parse down a pop song, it's intention is not to do that. The other songs make you feel more. Oh yeah. And kind of make you attached to her. And then this stuff is more of just like the fun cherry on top almost. So she's smarter than all of us, basically. Basically. But I love that this was a fuck you song. She seems to have a lot of yeah. like fuck you songs. Yeah. On her and own. what a happy one. And I, yeah, a happy one. <laughs> I'm into it. Alright. Number nine. Do we have to? <laughs> stay, stay, stay. Written by Taylor, produced by Taylor and Chapman. Next. <laughs> it's definitely the worst uh. song on this album. 
There's no doubt. No doubt. Hands down. Why are we asking boys who are annoying to stay around? (gasps) I have that in my notes, too. Boys who put on football helmets mid-conversation? What are you doing? (laughs) I'm sorry. (sighs) Ew. Ew. Yeah. Hard pass on this man. That's number one. Stop dating this man immediately. (laughs) And this is a terrible song. It's childish. It's so bad. And this is the worst. The message is daydreaming about real love. What? She did not write this about a person. She was daydreaming about what she thought love should be. And she wrote this. I just cannot believe that you think like a, if a man walked in while we were arguing and put on a football helmet to try and dissipate the argument, I would be like, give me one, too, because I'm coming at you. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. I put that the intro sounds like a commercial. It sounded like it does. When you're at CVS, ask the pharmacist for your flu shot. Like that's what I was hearing. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> da, da, da. Yeah, like it's hold music. Yeah, I was like, what the hell is this? It's way too immature. With 16 freaking songs, you can cut one. Like cut this song. The line that stood out to me, and it makes me laugh when I read it. But you carry my groceries, and now I'm always laughing. Like, why are groceries in a song? What is that? But the preceding line is not bad. Before you, I'd only dated self-indulgent takers who took all of their problems out on me. And you follow that up with now you're carrying my groceries? What the hell? Yeah. Just bad. The rhyming scheme is really weird. Like, it does. there's no pattern. And then at the end when she's like, that's so fun. I wrote, it's gross. And it sounds like she's being made to say it against her will. (laughs) (laughs) And then tropes, we had phone and dreams. But like, yuck. Kelly, what do you think? Bad. (laughs) So to everyone's point already about why are we making this guy stay... I yeah. I found this line creepy. You took the time to memorize me, my fears, my hopes, and dreams. I just like hanging out with you all the time. <laughs> it's so bad. It's, like I know this so doesn't sound nice, but it almost sounds creepy to mm-hmm. me. And she does that. She does that. There's there's a lot of songs where the creep comes out. But it almost seems like she should have seen this coming. Like all he did was memorize you. He doesn't actually like you. Right. But he's not real. Like she just wrote right. this song imagining what it is. Like what get this out of here. On a song that's on, on a, rather on an album that's filled with songs that are full of raw emotion, this song has no place. So on bad. Her. And I was actually thinking in the car on the way home today. I think she to Kelly's point, but like a little different. I think she does this shit on purpose because we had Stay Beautiful, we had Hey Steven, sorry Gabby. I think she always is picking a song that she knows Disrespectful. is friggin' garbage. I like Hey Steven too. And she's like, I'm gonna put it in there anyway. Like, just cause I can. And like, as a want, I don't say wannabe fan, as someone who's like intrigued and interested, this pisses me off. You are wasting my time. Like, get this garbage out and if i was a super fan i'd be so offended i'd be like i thought we were friends like why would you do this to me yeah it's a real bad song i don't know why she did this <laughs> it's just yeah it's so it's bad and it's super short it's like it didn't even need to happen why why did this even happen she was drinking daydreaming yeah maybe she was dreaming and then she wrote drinking. this song <laughs> <laughs> yeah she wrote this in an alcohol infused fever much like stephen yes, king yes how he writes and he's novels. successful so you know whatever so hey they're on to something (laughs) all right track number 10 the last time featuring gary lightbody from snow patrol swift lightbody and a guy jackknife lee um wrote this jackknife lee well first of all gary lightbody is in snow patrol and then jackknife has worked with 
R.E.M., The Killers, The Cars, U2, Snow Patrol, The Hives, Modest Mouse. That man has a genre. Jackknife Lee produced it, and this was the seventh single, November 4th, 2013. Also, fun fact, this song was written and recorded, finalized in one day. They did this in one day, in one session. Wow. Yeah, Gary Lightbody's, like, amazed by her that they were able to do it, and the, the version that's on the album is the one that they recorded that day that they wrote it. Oh, wow. That's so impressive. It's pretty cool. This song is beautiful it's sad the buildup is beautiful the string arrangements do what i need string arrangements to do which is bring emotion into it Mm -hmm. the instrumental break is perfect and i i love that she is standing her ground in this song Mm -hmm. she knows like this is the last time that you're telling me that you're sorry this is the last time that i can even hear you say that to me which i think is great from taylor it's a really fragile emotion you're dealing with when you want to love someone but you don't know if it's smart to and then the message la on your break widely believed to be about jake gyllenhaal and he also was there on her 21st birthday Ah. when he was supposed to show up at her party and didn't yeah may have cheated on her oh scandal but i also and just like sometimes i think taylor can be childish he was in la because a movie that he was working on was premiering like the man was working yeah yeah he couldn't come to your birthday today yeah Uh, all right i'm not i'm not a fan of jake gyllenhaal either but i'm just like he was working so he was working yes i wrote that I was kind of surprised, but it was very refreshing to hear a man's voice first. Like, she's done a couple features, yes. and she starts it, or the man is harmonies. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Like, am I in the right album? His voice is beautiful. And his voice oh, is haunting. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I put the chorus is great, and I wrote the word. It's kind of haunting. It's sad, but powerful. Personally, I'm not super familiar with Snow Patrol, so I listened to a few of their songs. I hear the vibe right away. Their song Chasing Cars, I was like, oh, got it. Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. this is this is in that wheelhouse for sure. Her voice stays kind of mid-range. It's not straining, but it's still nice. The lyric that jumped out to me was, you wear your best apology, but I was there to watch you leave. That's mine too. It was just so, like, such a visual. And I, I and same to your point, Gabby, like, she's standing at the door and she's waiting till he leaves and she's watching him leave because she's done. Like, I need to make sure this is over. It was a little bit long, but I still liked it overall. And I would love to hear an album from her all like this. So if her and and Lightbody or Snow Patrol could write a whole album, I'm 100% there. I would love that. Lyric Tropes, Door, and Your Room. Kelly, what you think? I also thought it was a little long, but I do love this one too. I love that it's all about such a fragile emotion and time for her, but it feels very composed and purposeful. Mm. Which makes it, for me, more impactful. Ooh, I love that. Initially, it was a skip for me, too. Oh, wow. Ooh. Boom. <laughs> yeah. So I almost feel like that was purposeful, too, because I feel like a lot of, like, pop fans of Taylor are like, oh, yeah, I'm not listening to the song, mm. and who's that Snow Patrol guy? Yeah, yeah. But it's almost like a sneaky, like, yes, I know you doubt me, but this is, this is the last time. Yeah. And listen to me when I say it. You're probably not going to believe me, like, you're not even going to give me the time of day because you think i'm just gonna yeah. go back i've been there man yeah i mean who hasn't but i think the way you described it too as like it's a fragile kind of chaotic time but she's so composed and like i got that level of maturity yes. from the song like i'm above it now yeah and i'm letting you know that we're done right yeah the composition of the song itself feels more 
composed, more mature, yes, mm-hmm. stronger stance. Mm-hmm. So insightful, Kelly. Wow. I think a lot about these songs. All right, number eleven, Holy Ground. Okay, so written by Swift, produced by Jeff. I should have learned how to say this. Basker. Basker. That sounds right. He has collaborated with. Kanye West on four albums. I wrote this all in caps with four exclamation points. He has worked with Jay-Z and Mark Ronson. She's so sneaky. She knew what she was doing working with this guy. I love it. Yep. (laughs) I think this song sounds super different to me from a lot of her stuff. I feel like it starts at top speed and it's kind of awesome. I like it. It's not amazing, but I, I enjoy it. Um, she's spinning like a girl in a brand new dress, Kate, which I know is your favorite. She can't help it. (laughs) (laughs) And the message is when you came to the show in SD, it's rumored to be about Joe Jonas, who came to her show in San Diego, just kind of like establishing that they're they're friends now after they broke up. Uh, she kind of wrote it like reflecting on the relationship they had, but it's not, it's not really a romantic song. Okay. Just like she's, they're over it now. They're on higher ground now and it's cool. I like that. I like that concept very much. I really love how this starts. It feels like a natural progression. It's still old Taylor, but it's more developed. It's more mature. I definitely hear hints of 1989 on this track. There are some subtle synths happening, especially later in the song. I was shocked at the the producer because it just doesn't feel anything like Kanye or Jay-Z or Ronson at all. Shocked in a good way. I mean, I don't know what else this this producer, who else he's worked with, but it sounds like he just helped her sound more like her. So I think that in that, he did a really, really good job. And then tropes, I've got dress, story, page, and dancing. How do you like it, Cal? I like this one. It makes me want to dance and be nostalgic. Ooh, okay. For me, it, it, I get the feeling of like, the memories are still important to her and sacred, if not perfect. Mm. So even though it didn't work out, there were still lessons to be learned. Everybody comes out unharmed, better for it. Yeah. Which makes me feel good for her. Like she's maturing a little mm. bit. She can move on from these relationships. Yeah, it's very mature. Yeah. But to me, it's a dance. Like the spin around in a brand new dress. That's yeah. <laughs> what this makes me want to do. Kelly was like, that's what I do. <laughs> I think there's something really freeing and like exciting about that moment when you realize that you're over it and you can look at this person and not be angry anymore and be okay with them. Uh, Like that's a wonderful feeling. So I think the song really gives off that vibe. Yeah, I agree. Number 12, sad, beautiful, tragic. So much drama. Written by Swift and then produced by Swift and Chapman. I think the title is perfect. The song is sad, beautiful, and tragic. It's definitely, as we've talked about a lot already, a song of introspection. She's reflecting. You can tell the anger is gone. She's not angry anymore. It's more like longing, remembrance, a little bit of wistfulness there, but not, you know, not like she wants that anymore. Mm. In my mind, I feel like this is the last song she wrote about probably her relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal when she finally was able to let it go. Mm. And that this, it just sounds that way to me. Yeah, you can tell that she's moved moved on to the next phase of mourning that relationship. Yeah. And I love the line, in dreams I meet you in warm conversation. We both wake in lonely beds, different cities, and time is taking its sweet time erasing you. 
I just don't know how I could be that prolific. I'm like so jealous. <laughs> like that's beautiful. <laughs> it's so good. It's fucking beautiful. Uh, and the messages while you were on a train, which I have no idea. A lot of speculation. I'm going to assume it's about Jake because I think that's a safe assumption for this album. Mm. I read some stuff about what it could be, but none of it felt like founded enough to share. It doesn't feel super specific. So I wonder if it might have just been kind of, I mean, I don't want to say it's like stay, 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 because it's not. But how that one wasn't about a specific person. Maybe this is just a situation in general. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. First thing I wrote was, it makes me think of Mazzy Star Fade Into You, which is my absolute favorite song of all time. Ooh, okay. It's not as good, but it definitely has those vibes. And I was like, okay. So I love the simplicity, the reverb, the emptiness on the verses, which is nice because a lot of the songs on this album are loud and chaotic and like were a little too much for me. And then again, the third verse or bridge, I can't tell what she's doing here. The lyric is such a perfect picture of a failed relationship or failing. She says, distance, timing, breakdown, fighting, silence, the train runs off its tracks. Kiss me. Try to fix it. Could you just try to listen? Hang up. Give up. For the life of us, we can't get back. And I was like, I felt like she was writing a haiku. I was like, this is so... Yeah. Like, these are the things in that order, and then you're done. So I just thought that was super great. And for tropes, I just had dreams. What do you think, Cal? I love that bridge, too. That's my favorite part. Yeah, it's really good. It's, it's, it's like you're experiencing the breakdown yeah. right there with her. I've heard that this could be about Taylor Lautner. I don't know, because I feel like it wasn't so tragic. She broke up with him, so I don't think it was that sad. Agreed. And she wrote Batch of December already about it, which I think was beautiful. Yeah. Oh, love that I song. love that song, too. But I do love this one. I feel like it kind of can go in the same group as... Some of the others we've talked about, mm-hmm. some of those more moody, mm-hmm. sultry ones. Mm. Um, so it kind of makes me wonder if they're all about the same person. Possible. It's totally possible, actually. I didn't think about that. Um, I also love her use of darling. Oh, yeah, one. she does say she, that. Which also happens again in blank space. Darling is a word she... I didn't even hear it in this one, to be honest with you. But now that you say that, it does reappear. So this one is, and you've got your demons, and darling, they all mm. look like me. I love that. She's such a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking good. <laughs> so good. It is a very good song. It's a very, very good song. This is, I think, a sleeper for this album. Yeah. Mm. I was, I think, very underrated. It's a great song. It's beautiful. Number 13, The Lucky One. The Lucky One, written by Swift. And we're back to Jeff Basker as the producer. This song is basically Lucky by Britney Spears, rebranded yeah, exactly exactly. as the Lucky One by Taylor Swift. Yeah. Except not as good. Yeah, not as good. Let's show respect to the Mm-mm. Queen of Pop. I when I, I just picture Britney Spears in that video when I listen to it, like when she's in that pink robe with the, the yes. fluffy. It's Fluff, just like it's fluffy. that it's that woman answering the doorbell. <laughs> That's her. <laughs> This is, it's actually, okay, the message is, wouldn't you like to know? It's been rumored to be about Joni Mitchell or Kim Wilde, who sang Kids in America. Oh, cool. I think it is about Kim Wilde. Me too. Specifically the line, they say you bought a bunch of land somewhere, chose the Rose Garden over Madison Square. Kim Wilde, since she's retired from music, is a gardener. She's a landscaper. Oh, cool. And the main melody is actually sampled from her. Wow. The four-letter word by Kim Wilde is the sample that is used on this song. I would love to go back and listen to that. I had no idea. There's a lot of very familiar sounds here. I feel like I've already heard this song on this album. So to me, it would have been a cut. I wouldn't have kept it. 
concept is reminiscent of Britney's Lucky, obviously. And I wrote down the same lyric. What I do think is really interesting is, you know, with Britney, she's so lucky she's a star. You know, Britney's using this character to talk about how she feels about stardom. Whereas in that one particular line, she chose, uh, chose Rose Garden over Madison Square. And it took me some time, but I understand now. I feel like to that, what we've been saying about her maturity, like she is admitting now that like this pop stardom is like a little bit crazy town. And like there are parts of me and times in my life where I kind of wish this wasn't my situation. Yeah. And so I just think that's really interesting and introspective at this point in her career. She's still really young. It's a grown up perspective for her to have that. It totally is. Yeah. Tropes are town, dream, queen, and page. What do you think, Cal? I don't love this one. I think part of it is because of the Britney Spears thing, too. Like, it just feels kind of like a copy. But what I do like about it is that I feel like the storytelling is great. Because at the end, the line, because now my name is up in lights, but I think you got it right. I think she decides at the end that, yeah, it's crazy. There are prices to fame, but she's willing to pay them. And she knows what it costs, and she's accepted it, and this is what she wants. And she's getting the recognition from the crowd, from her fans, and she's like, yeah. You're telling me that this is the right thing for me. I'm going to keep going. Wow. I didn't even pick up on that line. That's really an interesting way to think about it. So it's almost like a lesson. Yeah. Yeah. While it is very reminiscent of Lucky, I don't like structurally. It's not at all like Lucky at all. Just I think in theme. So I I enjoy listening to this song. I think it's beautiful. But it's yeah, it's Britney. Britney did it first. It's Britney, bitch. It's Britney, bitch. Number 14, Everything Has Changed, featuring Ed Sheeran. Little Eddie. Little Okay, Eddie. so it was written by Swift and Sheeran, but it was produced by Butch Walker. Love I was so excited. Love that. I was so excited to hear that. <laughs> and Butch Walker has worked with Pink, Green Day, Weezer, Panic at the Disco, The Academy is Fall Out Boy, Anne Berlin. He's a the ton best. Of I love Butch Walker. And his solo stuff is so, so good, good, too. Like, mm-hmm. He's so, so good. And this was the sixth single on July 16th, 2013. I'm a huge Ed Sheeran fan. I know that's very uncool. I don't care. (laughs) I'm with you. I love him. I love him. (laughs) The melodies in this song are perfect. It's so, it's catchy and it's really sweet, but not Mm -hmm. annoying in any way. Because there's a whole cheese factor. What's the opening line is, on all I've seen since 18 hours ago is green eyes and freckles and your smile and the back of my mind making me feel like, which is like so corny. That's so corny. It's a little corn. But it's cute. The structure is great. They sound good together. And Ed is also like, he knows how to make songs like this. This is his thing, is the acoustic, mm-hmm. heartfelt song. And it works. Is there any secret message for this or not? Hyannis Port which is where the Kennedys are from. She dated Connor Kennedy. So this is about him. Oh, all right. He's got a classy one. This is a classy song. He's got a classy uh, You answered song. my first note, Gabby. I said, because uh, I'm not very familiar with him. And I wrote, is this exemplary of his music? So yes, it is, which is good to know. I love the harmonies. And something I picked up on that I don't know if too many people would. The first... Uh, I, I think it's the pre-chorus. I should have written it down. But they sing together, and she is singing the low harmony. He's singing the high harmony. And the second time that happens, they switch. Switch. And I yeah. thought that was so nice. And just as a music person, I was like, ooh, bitch. Like, you got me. You got me. It was yeah. so, so they good. Do, I just want to know you better know yeah, you. That one, yeah, that yes. one. And they switch sides. I was like, oh, I love this. I wrote that it's an easy listen without being easy listening. Like, it's, a, it's just a good one. Like, 
I can, I can sit through the whole thing. Super catchy chorus. Great for what it is. Um, she does say door and we're back to rain. It's the first time she's mentioning rain on this album. We know how much she loves that word. But it was a good, it was, it's a it's a real good one to me. I love this one too. And I also love that. I feel like she had this in her head because yes, she collabed with Ed Sheeran, but he has said that she wrote most of the song. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that okay. there was some sort of chord that they argued over, but that this was mostly her brainchild. Interesting. So it's almost like she knew that it would do better if she collabed with him, like if his name was on it, that it was in his vein and his style. Oh, Maybe. so you think this is another strategic move? It could be. I think she just liked him too. Maybe. I know yeah. they are real life friends though. So yeah. I'm sure like it's just kind of what happened. Yeah. Sure. But but she maybe had this song in mind for this. Like right. this is Ed's song. Yeah. I also love that she said they wrote it on a trampoline and just were like bouncing as they wrote it, which sounds more fun than the song sounds. It totally does. <laughs> the song's like kind of a, I don't say it's a downer, but it's not like a bop. It's, no. It's a, you know. It's not a bop, but it's still that. hopeful. Which yeah. I love. yeah, yeah. It's not so sad, but it's like, it's pretty. It's really pretty. Yeah. It's a good one. And that's a great point, Gabby, because my favorite uh, lyric off of this one was, so dust off your highest hopes. Oh, that's mm. a good one. It kind of felt like, finally, she was like, okay, now I can pick myself back up. Yeah, that is what it's about, which is great. Track 15, Starlight. Starlight, uh, written by Swift, Produced by Swift, Chapman, and Huff, who was like way, way earlier in this album. Uh, The secret message is for Ethel. This song was written for Ethel Kennedy, who I am a huge fan of. I love her. Hmm. Taylor saw a photo of Ethel and Robert Kennedy, a black and white photo, and she wrote this while she was dating Connor and played it for Ethel and was like, hey, I I just, I, I was just inspired and I wrote this for you. And Ethel loves this song. She was very grateful. I, I think this song is great because I love Ethel and Robert Kennedy. I know too much about them. <laughs> I know shit about <laughs> the them. The Kennedy though. family is like one of those things. It's like my conspiracy almost obsession. Okay. Where like anything that comes out about them, I'm like, click. I want to know. <laughs> I don't know why I've been very intrigued by them since I was a child. This wow. is a long time interest wow, in wow. the Kennedys. That's awesome. I, I think Ethel is exceptional. She's a wonderful woman. If um, I don't believe it's on HBO anymore, but I think you can find it on YouTube. Her daughter, Rory Kennedy, made a documentary that's called Ethel. Okay. That is about her mother and how she grew up and how she met their dad and how the family got into politics. And it's, I think she has like 15 kids. Whoa, Ethel and goodness. Robert had a lot of kids. I, I, it may not be that many, but it's more than 10. Well, she says 10. Oh, it's more than 10. Oh, okay. Let me see. Ethel Kennedy, she has one, two, th- okay. Robert Kennedy Jr., Carrie Kennedy, Courtney Kennedy, Joseph Kennedy II, Rory Kennedy, Kathleen Kennedy, David Kennedy, Michael Kennedy, Christopher Kennedy, Max Kennedy, uh, and Douglas Kennedy. She has 11 kids. She had, she and Robert had 11 kids. Wow. Dang. But I think this song... A lot of dreaming. Yeah. A lot so, so much. much dreaming. Uh, <laughs> I think this song just captures their love story. It's a completely fictional. I can tell you for sure this is not how they met. I know oh, how... Okay. This is not it. This is not at all good, their love story. No. But it's it's wonderful. And I think that... I just think Ethel rules. I just love her. We can, we can make an Ethel Kennedy podcast and I'd be... 
Wow. <laughs> I'd be able I mean, to. again, it would be something I don't know much about. So huh. it would be just like this, a very educational experience. So good. Uh, <laughs> I I don't have this in my notes because you said it just now. The idea that she would write a song for a woman like that and then just sit there and play it for her makes me want to die. I would <laughs> be so embarrassed. Like, it's so, like, ballsy and brazen of her. But I would just, like... I would never want her to hear it. I don't know. There's something that makes me so uncomfortable thinking about that. I like, don't think she played it play for her, like, physically. I think she just played it. Doesn't matter. Her. Ew. Like, what? she like, let me just hit play and leave the room. Like, so <laughs> awkward. I just, ugh. Now I'm not. But let's not forget, Taylor was obviously a horse girl growing up, and that is something that I horse girls would do. I know. She has no do. boundaries. I, I know. Say, she she totally so would. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> All right, so anyway, back to my notes. This was the song, and I put this down when I first heard it. The chorus of this song sounds a lot like the verse in Don't Trust Me by 303. And I don't know the words of that song, but it's the one where it's like, I don't know what he's saying. But that song came out in 2008. And this was just like, goes back to the Veronica's thing we talked about. I think that was her first or second album. This is the third time she has done that, where I think it's glaringly obvious that she ripped something from a song that came out before her song came out. And I don't like that. I don't even like that band, 303. I couldn't name... I had to look up what the song was. So who are they? I don't know. But I just think that's, like, not a good move. You answered my question. I was like, who is this supposed to be? Because she wasn't alive in 45, so thank you. I put... That this song is very awkward for me because I feel like it's straddling between a dance song and rock. And I don't really feel like it's either. There's like a weird guitar solo and it sounds very 80s. And then I was like, wait, are we dancing still? Or or now are we doing like the 80s rock show? So I don't know. I don't hate, I wrote, I don't hate it, but I also don't need it in my life. So yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I hear you. I don't know. It was just a little scattered. And she says, dance, star, duchess, prince, and dream. But those words make sense to me now that I know the whole Kennedy connection. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense. I agree that I wasn't sure if it was a dance song or a rock song. Mm-hmm. Kind of was like, what am I supposed to be doing with myself yeah. when I listen to this? <laughs> like, can I, am I allowed to dance? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like that this is one of her first forays into singing about somebody other than herself. And telling a story about something that she's not like, super close to. From the outside. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty... It is cool. It is... And I know she goes on to do this more later. But mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think it's the first time where she's picked, like, a real person. Because we've talked about on episode three with Cassine how she would, like, maybe write as a character. Mm. But she's writing about someone else who's real. Yeah. Like, yeah. not a made-up thing. Which I do think is, like, interesting, a little risky and embarrassing to me. But uh, <laughs> interesting. Definitely interesting. Yeah, I agree. Okay, last track, guys. We're here. Track 16. Begin Again. (laughs) It's a marathon. Okay, Begin Again. (laughs) Written by Swift. uh, Produced by Chapman and Huff. This was the second single, October 1st, 2012. The message is, I wear heels now. Which didn't have to be a a message because it was in the lyrics of the song. (laughs) Here's my take. I this is clearly about Jake Gyllenhaal. She sings about the heels thing previously. We know it's about him. I realizing that Jake Gyllenhaal is a guy who's so insecure about his height that he asks women he dates not to wear heels <laughs> is such an ick factor and it gives me I'll say it, 
Small dick energy, Jake. That is small dick energy. (laughs) You can't be doing that shit. That's real weird. I love the message of starting over and a new chapter. And that she finally is able, feels like she's able to do that and like maybe love somebody again. That's wonderful. But I hate that she didn't wear heels because some idiot guy told her he didn't like it. She was yeah. young. She was, she wouldn't do it now. She wouldn't do that now. Let's hope not. If no. a guy tells me like, oh, I don't really like when my heels too tall, I'd be like, cool. Uh, I will wear six inch stilettos the next time yeah. I see you. 100%. And I'll stand all, all right next time. to you the whole time and I'll put my elbow on your head. Like I will do that to you <laughs> now that you've told me that, that ridiculous thing. Yeah. How do you feel about stilts? that's great that's great oh my god what'd you think kg i put um great lyrics great melodies kind of went back to the country vibes which surprised Mm me um maybe Mm -hmm. more than i like I i did write down the bridge uh we walked down the block to my car and i almost brought him up but you started to talk about the movies that your family watches every Christmas. And I want to talk about that. And for the first time, what's past is past. And I was just like, the Christmas line like bothers me because I feel like she gets creepy specific. So like, mm. but the idea that she's remembering this specific moment where I wanted to talk about this dirtbag. And then I realized, no, like, I want to hear about you. I want to hear about your life. And it was just such a moment where I was like, oh, that's like so honest. Like, you know, that happened to her, you know, and she's recalling that. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, And then the only trope on this one was car. So not trope heavy. I also hate. And just again, this is the second time we've heard this about Jake Gyllenhaal. I think it's strange that you think I'm funny because he never did. Like, he didn't laugh at her jokes and stuff. Jake Gyllenhaal didn't like that. He sounds like a wet blanket. He sounds like the worst guy ever. Yuck. I've dated guys who were like, "Mm, I don't think women are that funny, and immediately undated them. (laughs) As he raised it. Yeah. What do you think, Kelly? I like this one. I like it as the closing track, too. It feels very full circle. Mm. It also feels like... Ooh, we'll have more breakup songs coming because yeah. you're getting into this new relationship. Yeah, finally. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like all albums, she's like this hopeless romantic who writes off love and then she's like, oh, cute guy in a cafe. Cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Starts yeah, yeah. over. So, <laughs> and the cycle starts again. Yeah, yeah. She can't help herself. It right. just keeps happening. That's so hilarious. like, cool, who's going to be next? <laughs> right, right. I didn't think about that. But, and when you make your, your Spotify list, you got to think about where this... Where this goes. Where Maybe this, this goes. like, is every every three or four songs, this one comes up. Yeah. Because of, like, I got, I got, and I got, I got. Yeah. and we start again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, but I really loved Walked In, Expecting You'd Be Late, But You Got Here Early and You Stand and Wave. I feel like that speaks so much to probably her mindset then of, like, I can't do this. I'm going to start all over, and I'm going to get myself into this crap again. Yeah. He's going to stand me up. He's time. not even going to be there. Da-da-da. Right, right. All right, so we did it. My God, this was a long one. We did it. It's a lot. Kate, favorite, least favorite, and underdog. All right. Least favorite's the easiest. Stay, 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 obviously. Um, Underdog, I wrote Begin Again, because I remember listening to it the first time around, and I was like, this song's not that great. You didn't like that song, I remember. Yeah, I didn't like it, and I really did like it. I even listened again today, and I was like, I do like it. What I will say, and this is my struggle with this album, I don't have a best song. What's really weird is I feel like a lot of these songs are examples of her best writing so far. 
But none of them had the punch to me that, like, Love Story had or that Dear John had, you know? I put, if I really had to pick, I think it's between State of Grace and Holy Ground. But if you listen to them, they are very similar songs. They are. And the fact that they're similar makes me think that neither one is great. <laughs> so, okay. I, I don't know. I'm going to have to go with, like, no real best song. But I do like the vibe overall. Okay. If that's a lot. Kelly, what about you? Favorite, least favorite, and underdog? Least, I mean, obviously, stay, stay, stay. Mm. My sleeper was begin again. Oh. Yeah. I don't know why. Nice. I can't remember what my rationale was for that. Remember I told you I went, like, back and forth. I was like, what's yeah, my yeah, sleeper? Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like that one for some reason. I, I guess maybe it gives me a little hope at the end of it all. It, yeah. That's, that's nice. Good, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. uplifting. And my top... Obviously all too well, but in parentheses, I had Holy Ground and State of Grace. Ooh, because oh. I feel like they are similar, like you said, Kate. Oh I remember... God, Kelly, we're vibing. There was a... Yeah, there we are. <laughs> there was a point in time where I used to get them confused. Oh, wow. They're very similar. Yeah. Yeah, they're very I similar. I hear that. But if I had to choose one over the other, I think I might say State of Grace. Yeah. I might be with you. Listen, All Too Well is the best song on this album. I, Kate, I don't know where you are. I'm sorry. I don't I know where you've been. Okay, I'll try harder. My God. <laughs> My least favorite is obviously Stay, Stay, Stay. There's no question. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and my underdog is going to be the last time because of Gary Lightbody. Because I love Gary him. Lightbody. That's a good. That's a good That's one. a good underdog. My underdog list was long. It was. It was long. But yeah, that's a good one. There's a lot of good songs on this album. It's just... They really are. It is a bit of a mess sonically. And I think that that might be what makes it not a great album. But there's so many great songs on it. I had an overall note that if you took out the three pops and Stay, 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 killer album. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I might even make a playlist called Red. Where I'd take all those out. <laughs> share it. Please playlist. share it. Yeah. Would love to good. hear that. They're really good. Like it's a it's it's obviously a movement in her career. So Yeah, and um it's it's very interesting, like the way that we've been doing this with the the albums chronologically, because hearing her grow up. Yeah. I don't think I've ever paid attention when I've listened to her stuff like this before. Yeah. And yeah, it's great that to hear her be in a more mature space. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it here much better than the previous three. I think you're going to like them even more as you go forward. I too. think so, too. We'll see. I hope so. We'll see. Fingers crossed. So, Kelly, we know that you're a Taylor fan like me. Kate, are you a Taylor fan yet? Um, The needle is moving. Okay. I think if this album was like a home run, I would have said yes. Interesting. Ooh. So we're close. I am a fan of the way she is starting to write her songs now. Yeah. Like now as in red. Yeah. So I'm hopeful that I will have a, a more solid answer. But I I mean, the fact that you included Stay, 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 I just have so many doubts. <laughs> like she needs to edit more. If she edited a little more, I might have said yes. But okay. Yeah. That's close. fair. We're close. <laughs> All right. Well, Kelly, thank you for joining us. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, ladies. This was really fun. You were a wonderful addition to the gang. Wonderful. Thanks. Loved this chat. I, I loved this homework. <laughs> Yay. Well, Always welcome back. Yeah. It's pretty fun <laughs> homework. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've taken notes this long in so long. <laughs> but it was right. very enjoyable. <laughs> 
Oh, that's awesome. Love Amazing. to hear it. We, yeah, hear we it. love to hear that. Well, again, thank you so much, Kelly. And we'll see you all next week. All right. So it's time for the lyric trope tally count for Taylor's fourth album, Red. Jeans, zero songs. Dress, two songs. Radio, zero songs. Daddy or father, zero songs. Truck, car, or passenger seat, three songs. Knee, zero songs. Rain, one song. Town, two songs. Dance or dancing, four songs. Dream, dreaming, or daydreaming, seven songs. Phone, one song. Stars, one song. 2 a.m., zero songs. Story, chapter, or page, two songs. My room, your room, or bedroom, two songs. Royalty of any kind, two songs. And door or doorstep, four songs. Big thanks to the band Above the Moon for writing and recording our theme song. You can find them on Instagram at Above the Moon Music or on their website, AboveTheMoonMusic.com. If you enjoyed listening, give us a follow or subscribe on your favorite platform. And if you really enjoyed listening, leave us a like, rate us, or review us so more people can find us. You can keep up with news about new episodes on Instagram at Minor Notes Podcast or email us, MinorNotesPodcast at gmail.com. Minor Notes is a finally cool production. Next week, we'll be discussing Taylor's fifth studio album, 1989, with two very special guests this time, Hannah Ellian and J.J. Mitchell of indie pop duo Overcoats. Be sure to tune in.